This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got a lot to get to today. Phil Miller, who covers the Twins for the Star Tribune, will be with me in just a little bit. Had a great uh, piece on Jose Barrios not too long ago. Has been covering uh, tons of stuff for us lately and doing a great job doing it. So I'll, I'll have a conversation with Phil about a few different Twins things, trade deadline stuff, Jose Barrios discussion, Byron Buxton discussion coming up in just a little bit. I've got a Vikings injury um, that might seem minor right now, but I want to put it on your radar. I'm worried about it already. It is my nature to worry. I've got some thoughts about Devin Booker and what might happen in Game 6 with the Suns and Bucks tonight. Bucks with a chance to close out that NBA Finals with a victory in Milwaukee. Suns trying to win Game 6 and send that back to Phoenix for a Game 7. Um, tidying up a little bit. Didn't talk much loons yesterday. They had a big win Sunday over Seattle. Want to get into that a little bit more because I watched and enjoyed that game. But first, what did I miss? Now, a little bit of interesting uh, dynamic here because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring on Phil Miller here in a minute to talk Jose Brios. But Brios also pitched uh, Tuesday's. Uh, Brios also pitched Monday's game two of the doubleheader between the Twins and the White Sox. And just the way that game went gave me all sorts of thoughts about his long-term future and kind of synthesized my thinking about that. So I'm going to get that clear first here before we talk to Phil Miller. So here's what I'm thinking about Jose Brios. The Twins have gotten exceptional value from Jose Barrios so far in his career. That's the way the baseball system is set up. I don't love the way it's set up, but it is set up that way. Think about this. They've paid Jose Barrios has basically been a rotation mainstay since 2017 and a durable one at that has had, you know, double digit wins, you know, 3 years in a row then 2020, you know, obviously less than that, but the shortened season was good again last year. So basically, this is his fifth year as a rotation mainstay, um, throwing a lot of innings, and they've, he's basically been paid just north of ten million dollars. Contractually, probably would have been about twelve or thirteen, uh, but uh, they, you know, the the yesterday last year's contracts were were reduced greatly because of the the COVID shortened season. But you know, basically had a you know, league minimums for. A few of those years, then he got a raise to about $4 million last season that was truncated. Phil Miller gets into that a little bit. He's making $6 million this year. Due for a big bump next year in arbitration, but then becomes a free agent after the 2022 season. So the big question now, and again, Phil, Phil and I will get into this, is what do the Twins do now? Because Jose Brios is going to want a big payday. He's been kind of sitting here waiting for it. He didn't get that kind of, you know, didn't get those bought out years, you know, like a Max Kepler or a Jorge Polanco did with, you know, with some of his, some of the money, but he's, he's been kind of strategic about that. He wants a long-term contract and some of the numbers being floated are pretty huge. We're talking about a guy who could command, you know, upwards of 20 to $25 million on the open market if he hits free agency after next season. Now, the question then becomes, what do the Twins do? And I am of the mind that if you are running this Twins team like an optimized business, you cannot sign Jose Barrios to an extension. You have maximized your value on Jose Barrios so far, and the the way to continue to maximize that value is to trade him, not to sign him. He's 
a good but not great pitcher. I, I like Jose Barrios a lot, but I kind of feel like at this point, 27 years old, if you're still waiting for the breakthrough, and again, we saw it in Monday's game, you know, dominant, dominant, dominant early, tons of strikeouts. But, you know, I think a, a true number one pitcher would have finished that game off and not given up that three-run homer in the seventh inning. Maybe that's too small a sample size, but I feel like we've seen that a lot from Barrios over the years. He has that one inning where he can't quite get that one batter out to move into that next echelon. Um, and I, I don't think this is a matter of can you afford Jose Barrios necessarily. You, you could afford Jose Barrios if you were the Twins, but if you pay Jose Barrios let's say $25 million a year for five years. What what are you getting for, for that? You're probably getting a slightly better version of himself right now because he is getting slightly better, but you're still getting you know, someone who's, I think, kind of like a, a number 2.5 starter. He, he can't be the best starter on a good team, on, on a team that wants to win the World Series in a you know mid-market like the Twins are. I don't think Jose Brios can be your can be paid that much. And I I go back, and this is going to be kind of a sound like a weird example, but there's a little bit of a parallel here between uh, Jose Brios and Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. You know, they signed those massive 13-year, $98 million matching contracts in 2012. And the Wild were, you know, a little bit kind of chasing that money for a long time. They got to be good because those guys are very good players. You want those guys on your team, just like the Twins would want Jose Brios on their team. But at that price, it then gives you a little bit of, you know, it, it gives you a little bit less flexibility in what else you can do. I know baseball doesn't have a salary cap like hockey does. I know you can spend as much as you want, theoretically, but let's face it, the Twins aren't going to spend the same as the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox. They just can't. The revenues are not the same. So the question then becomes, can you afford to have Jose Brios on your roster at $25 million? I don't think you can because then what does the rest of your pitching staff look like? Unless you hit on some other very low budget guys, you know, arms coming up who, you know, who then replicate what Barrios did early in his career for high value for not a lot of money. That's that's a tough that's a tough ask. That's a tough way to go. It kind of limits you. It, it limits to where it limits where you go. If the Twins truly are going to maximize the Jose Barrios experience, and again, I don't like the way baseball is set up. I'm just saying I think Jose Barrios should get paid but I also think he should get paid somewhere else. I don't think the Twins should re-sign him to an extension. I think if they are being smart and if they're being realistic, they're going to trade him in the next 10 days, or certainly they're going to trade him in the offseason. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. I'd like to welcome in Phil Miller to the show today. Phil is in Chicago covering Twins-White Sox, a series I think the Twins uh, going into the break hoped would mean a little bit more, but kind of took care of that. Uh, Any kind of, uh, you know, those good vibes that Nelson Cruz was talking about, the uh, magical run I don't think is happening Phil, uh, when you get swept by Detroit and get shut out twice uh, in the three-game series. That said, um, there's still some interesting things going on here, including I want to start with uh, your recent piece on Jose Barrios. You talked to him 
uh, I believe it was Sunday in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, kind of got some, some insights into where he is in terms of, you know, contract and money and, you know, what his future is. Maybe you can, you know, anything that was left on the cutting room floor and then anything that you can glean from, you know, Jose Barrios' situation, you know, under team control, under team control through next season, but also kind of, you know, wanting that long-term security one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, Jose is a really interesting case and uh, the twins kind of are in a difficult position here. For one thing, I think they will have to show their hand about how they feel about next season um, with what they do uh, about Jose in the next week. And uh, beyond that, uh, this off season, um, Jose has long wanted a long-term contract and it, it never uh, came to fruition. He's no longer a young guy uh, who just wants a life-changing uh, guarantee like uh, Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, and Jorge Polanco got. He is now a year from free agency. He's making $6 million a year uh, this year. He was supposed to make four last year, but uh, only got a little over a third of that because of the pandemic. He's having a great year, and if uh, if they go to arbitration uh, this year, he will be able to compare himself to uh, players who have gotten free agent contracts, which is allowed in your sixth year of um, of before uh, free agency. So he is looking at somewhere close to fifteen to twenty million dollars next year. So he no longer needs one of those. I don't want my career to end without me cashing in. He is now close enough where it, it makes much more sense for him. And he has a very, he has one of the best uh, sports agents uh, agencies behind him in the business. So um, he's looking for a, uh, a cash in big time, probably over a hundred million, almost certainly over a hundred million dollar contract, uh, whether it's, with the twins now or next uh, a year from now in the off season when he's a free agent, somebody will offer it to him and we'll see now uh, how serious the twins are about keeping him. If they don't think it's possible, it makes the most sense to trade him now. Yeah. Unless they want to contend next year, unless they think they are legitimate, have a legitimate chance next year. So they, they may very well tip their hand about how they feel about this team's immediate future by uh what they do with buxton and what they do with boreos and it's interesting i mean aside from you know, money is the the short answer but what has been kind of the the hold up over the years and you know the, he, he never even you know signed you know one of those like you said the the max kepler type deals the jorge polanco deals what what's been the hold up between you know, the, the, what's the gap there between what he wants and what they want is it must be pretty significant to, to not, to not have that, uh, you know, to not have that being, uh, ha- not having had happen yet, at least. Well, he's a guy who knows his value. Uh, you know, he is a guy that has played with some teams that, uh, with some other teammates who have gotten a uh, big contracts. So, you know, the one thing, the reason the team makes those deals is because they lock up a year or two of free agency. Um, Jose is very confident in his ability, um, confident in his ability to stay healthy. He works hard at it and, uh, he has indeed never been on the injured list. Uh, he's been the workhorse of the staff. So 
it never made sense for him to kind of sell himself short. He, he willingly took the risk. Um, and now that that has paid off, now that he has reached the, uh, the part of his career when he's coming into what should be his prime, he's only 27 last month. Uh, he, uh, you know, he's earned the right to, um, to cash in. You know, I, I think he's a smart guy about how he goes about, about it. And I think he just did not want to um, give up a year or two of free agency um, on, you know, 30 cents on the dollar, 40 cents on the dollar. If he turned out to be a great player and he has turned out to be a borderline great player. Yeah. And it's, you know, what's interesting is I went back and looked at something you wrote, I think it was spring training 2019, you know, when they had maybe made him a kind of one of those, you know, buy you out of a year, you know, a five-year kind of deal offer back then. And you'd compared him at that point to some contracts signed by like letting Luis Severino and I think Aaron Nola was the other name that was mentioned in that piece. And if you kind of go back and look at it, those two provide kind of a, an extreme case. You know, Nola has been very good. It's probably pitched yep. to that contract. Severino hasn't pitched since 2019. And I think you could argue the twins got pretty good value kind of from these team control years from Barrios. And maybe this is kind of the, the smartest way to play it and not extend him because Jose Barrios at 20 to $25 million. Is he, is he worth that? I'm sure they're asking themselves that question right now, but I'm having a hard time kind of putting a, a, a handle on who is you know, kind of, who's going to blink here. And also who should blink should, are, should the twins really commit that much to a guy who has been good and is probably the best version of himself this season, but isn't, hasn't ever crossed that threshold to, you know, consistent number one, and maybe even not even, you know, always a number two at this point. Yeah. Well, it, the system is set up. You are right that the twins got the best value. That's how the system is set up uh, for the first four to five years, uh, especially, uh, but even until free agency, uh, teams get incredible bargains out of their best players. Uh, it, and even, even Jorge Polanco uh, making the $8 million he's making now is a great value for the Twins for, uh, for what you get out of them. Uh, I would gather, I haven't done the math, but I would bet that Jose Barreos has been worth maybe close to $100 million for the Twins over uh, his career so far. Maybe a little short of that, but he's only been paid um, less than 15. I mean, that's the system. Uh, somebody has to take the risk. Usually it's the players. Um, sometimes the players accept uh, a lower contract uh, than, uh, than they might be worth in order to lock up, you know, some money early in their career, like uh, you would normally do. Now it's, uh, now it's time for 29 other bidders, not now, but in another year. And the one thing I mentioned in that story is you could make a case that Jose Barreos is in the same part of his career that Max Scherzer was um, when uh, when he reached the age of 27, his fifth year. He had a breakthrough year. He became a Cy Young winner. Jose's not going to do that, but he's having a good year. Uh, teams are going to pay for the prospect that he is going to even be better, continue uh, on this career path, uh, that he's going to be Aaron Nolan and not uh, Luis Severino. Um I don't know if the twins will blink. I don't get the feeling Jose will blink, but there are 29 other teams that, that may well write that check. Do you have a gut instinct right now? Is he 
is he here in two weeks or, or is it, I mean, I, I guess that's the big thing. Like, are they going to tip their hand that much or do you think they at least carry this into the off season? I think he's here in two weeks. I don't think, it, I, I think the asking price must be uh, astronomical because you're getting a year and a half of good value uh, out of him. Uh, you know, he's never been hurt. Um, a lot of contending teams would want him. But if the Twins want to have any hope of contending next year, I mean, look at this pitching staff. What is what is their pitching staff without him? Uh, they uh, they need to keep him to be realistic, to make a realistic uh, um, shot, take a realistic shot at next year. So uh, I think they will keep him for the last two months of the season and then in the offseason evaluate, can we get to where we want to be? Um I would be surprised if Jose is here after this winter. Um, and if he is, uh, I would really be surprised if he lasts uh, another year in Minnesota. I think you're right. I, the Twins have a history of not paying pitchers. Who's the highest paid pitcher they've ever had? Jose, I think it's a, it must be Irvin, Irvin Santana a few years ago. I think it still is Irvin Santana. Um, another guy that is kind of in the same boat in terms of the timeline is Byron Buxton. What what do we know about that? I think there was some scuttle anyway that they were you know talking about an extension there. Uh, where, where do we know anything more about that? It's an identical case. I mean, they both become free agents next year. They're both worth well more than the Twins have paid and are probably be willing to pay Buxton's problem is health. Uh, obviously, uh, while Boreos has never been injured, Buxton is constantly injured. Um, I would, I, I know the twins are trying to find a contract that protects both sides. I just don't see how it's possible. The upside for Byron Buxton is an MVP caliber season. Uh, I don't know that, uh, that the twins are ready to pay uh, that kind of money. Couple more things for you, Phil Miller. Phil Miller, really enjoying this conversation. Great reporting too uh, on all this during the you know during the road trip, post break, and leading up to the uh, leading up to the trade deadline. Who, who you know, if if we don't think Barrios and Buxton are trade candidates, or or at least are likely to be traded before the deadline, and Buxton certainly doesn't seem like someone who would be dealt before the deadline. That's the kind of move that doesn't really get made. Uh, before the deadline, typically, what's you know Nelson Cruz is probably the biggest name, but what do you imagine would be the highest profile trade that could happen that would that would bring back the highest value? Is it a Taylor Rogers? Is it somebody else? What what do you think could we see going out that would that would maximize any kind of value? Well, it's clearly Barrios if they decide to trade him. Uh, there are a lot of teams that would line up for a pitcher like that. Uh, yeah, I think Nelson Cruz is as good as gone as much as he would like to stay. I, uh, I, I think there are a lot of team. Well, there are two or three teams, uh, one in particular in Toronto that would, uh, very much like him in the lineup. Uh, yeah, Taylor Rogers, Anderson Simmons, uh, Hansel Robles, uh, all the one, one year contract guys. One guy that might be interested, interesting to a few teams is Max Kepler. Um, the twins would be selling low on him. He's had a rough year, but uh, re- his replacements are are already on the field in the lineup, Kirilov and Larnock. So uh, I, it would not surprise me if he is kind of the, the unexpected uh, trade coming up. Is Kepler's contract through 2023 if he signed the five-year back then, or yeah. is it just? Yes, his is uh, 23 and uh, Polanco's 24, I believe, yeah. 
Well, Phil Miller, great stuff. Any any wild predictions? Anything else to come from uh, from these next ten days? Whether it's in the division with the Twins, anybody else? What uh, any, anything uh, anything that we might not see coming, or or what do you expect? I guess in the, down the stretch here. What don't we see coming? What can we expect that we don't see coming? Uh, that seems uh, like a tough one there, right? <laughs> uh, but I would say. Uh, Ex- expect them to get a good look at all their young pitching down the stretch. Uh, I think that uh, we're six players away from the record for most twins in the season. And I believe we're going to shatter that. I, I suspect the lineup in uh, in a month from now is, uh, is going to be a, a half full of guys that we uh, don't know about yet. Great stuff, Phil. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Enjoy Chicago. And we'll catch up again soon. All right. Okay, Mike. Again, great reporting from Phil Miller. And also check out today's Star Tribune, Lavelle E. Neal III, longtime baseball writer, now our columnist, uh, had a piece on Byron Buxton and how the Twins could come to an agreement with him on a contract extension. I think that one's more plausible, but we will see about that as well. Uh, AC out there in the flat. There's a ball thrown in at low. That, is, that isn't Snooker's fault. That sounder is for Devin Booker today. Devin Booker. Excellent guard for uh, the Phoenix Suns. By the way, I don't think the Wolves are going to be able to trade for him. Remember that was the hot uh, the hot uh, rumor fantasy a couple of years ago that Devin Booker, because he's playing for the Suns and the Suns were terrible, might want to reunite with his buddy Carl Anthony Towns with the Timberwolves. Uh, yeah, um, that ship sailed about a year ago when the Suns won 8-0 in the bubble and certainly has sailed now uh, that the Suns are in the NBA Finals. Suns are in trouble, though. Um 3-2 Milwaukee lead. I think game five was, you know, the real, you know, the real turning point. Game four, you could argue too. I think the, you know, the Giannis block on uh, DeAndre Ayton late might have saved that game, might have saved that series. Then, of course, the Giannis dunk the other night kind of put a punctuation mark on that win, giving the Bucks a 3-2 series win, giving them a chance to win and close out this series at home tonight in Milwaukee. It's not been Devin Booker's fault, though. Devin Booker, 40-point games each of the last two games for uh, for Phoenix on you know efficient shooting, more than 50% in each game. Um, you know The game four loss in particular in Milwaukee when he had 42 points on 17 of 28 shooting, made all but one of his free throws. I'd like to see him bump up some of his other uh, other numbers uh, aside from fouls. He's had only had one rebound and two assists a couple games ago. Hasn't had a lot of assists. I think I saw a stat that he's not had a fourth quarter assist in this whole uh, this whole finals. But he's there to score primarily, and he's done that. 40 points uh, in that loss the other night, 42 the night before. Not Devin Booker's fault. He needs more help from his teammates. Uh, most importantly, Chris Paul, who I think has come up a little bit short in this series. I think Devin Booker needs to keep doing what he's doing. Not his fault. And I think Chris Paul needs to have the kind of game they brought him in to have. And if that happens, I think Phoenix wins this game and brings it back to Phoenix and clinches this thing in Game 7 in a few nights. Got to talk loons for a little bit here. Minnesota United had a big win over Seattle on Sunday. Patrick Royce and I didn't get to that a whole lot on Monday's podcast. Shocking, I know, that Patrick and I, uh, that I I could not engage Patrick in a, a ton of soccer talk at the end of that show, but... You know, I wanted to I just want to bring that up because it was a significant victory. It was the first time that Minnesota United had ever beaten Seattle in in a major league soccer match. I think it had been an eight match uh, history before that, with I think seven losses and a draw. 
I know Seattle had some injuries. I know they got some guys out for international play. I don't think anybody right now, though, has their ideal uh, starting eleven right now. So let, let's not let's not you know just brush away uh, brush away this win. I thought it was an evenly played match from what I saw. I, I, I didn't see much of the first half. Saw most of the second half. It was back and forth. You know, Seattle almost took a lead. Uh, called offside on a set piece. The Loons. Looked like they were going to get a penalty. They might have eventually, if, if it had been called on video review, but it didn't matter because while the you know during the run of play, still after a, a questionable takedown in the box, Robin Ludd scored again, um, and uh, and and gave him the one nothing win at at Allianz. So, you know, just a big win for <clears throat> the Loons. Not a whole lot more to say besides that, but you know, just a a, a franchise marker. When you have a game like that, it can propel you to a certain degree. It kind of gives you that confidence. It gives, gets that kind of, you know, monkey off your back, so to speak. And, you know, and importantly, too, in the standings, it solidifies your spot. They're now sixth in the West. That would be a playoff spot if the playoffs started tomorrow. Um, and let's face it, with the way they're sitting in the standings right now, kind of going back and forth a little bit, you know, Seattle's someone that they could see or have to get through in the West if they are going to achieve their you know, ultimate goals this this year of winning an MLS Cup. So, <clears throat> big win for sure for the Loons on uh, on Sunday, and uh, we'll see if they can keep this going the rest of the year. Next match coming up uh, coming up here on Saturday against Portland doesn't get a whole lot easier. That will be an important one as well. Let's finish with the cooler. I'm worried, you guys. I saw Ben Gessling's report that Michael Pierce could miss the start of uh, training camp because of a calf injury. Um, the reporting and Ben's re- Ben's good at this. Uh, the reporting is that it's believed to be minor, according to a source. He might miss the first couple weeks of training camp. God, when I hear that though, you guys, I get worried. I get worried about tweaks. I get worried about leg injuries for 341 pound interior uh, defensive lineman with the Vikings. Um, you know, any anytime there's a minor injury, anytime someone's off the field at the start of training camp. I start to get concerned. I'm, I'm gonna put. I'm on. I'm, I'm putting this one on watch right now. I'm putting this. I'm, I'm on Michael Pierce watch right now. I want to see when he really does return to the field. Really is back full go. Um, because my sense when things like this happen is that it's it ends up being longer than two weeks into training camp. That this could affect the start of his season and things like that. You know, believed to be minor. Again, that's good reporting from Ben. I'm not questioning his reporting. I'm, I'm what I'm questioning sometimes is how how these things play out in reality versus how the team might like them to play out. And let's face it, they're counting on Michael Pierce a lot. Opted out last season. Um, it was their big kind of free agent middle of the middle of the defense signing a year ago. But you know, because of potential COVID complications, sat out last season. Um, you know, he and Dalvin Tomlinson are supposed to really revamp that interior of the line, give them a much bigger run-stopping presence, maybe give them a little bit of pass rush from time to time, um, but you know, really solidify that defense. You know, along with uh, along with several other uh, key additions. You know, maybe this means a little bit more Sheldon Richardson at the beginning, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But uh, you know, I'm just asking you watch. What happens with this injury? I, I'm never convinced that these things are as minor as they seem at the beginning. I hope they are for the Vikings' sake and for Michael Pierce's sake, but I'm officially on watch right now. Um, and I'm going to give you updates periodically on when Michael Pierce actually gets back versus you know this optimistic could miss the first couple weeks of training camp. 
um, that that uh, that is now being uh, that is now being floated uh, after his calf injury was reported. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Daily Delivery. Sarah McClellan covers the Wild. We uh, got a whole lot to talk about with Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. We'll talk some expansion draft, maybe a little bit of upcoming NHL draft as well with her on Wednesday's show. Thanks for joining me here today. We'll catch you again tomorrow.